Welcome to the second episode of the Listen to Cedric Say podcast. I'm your host, Cedric Say, and today I'll be talking about SIM card technology and the various forms it now comes in. But first, our top stories for Friday, November 22nd, 2019. First up, looks like T-Mobile and AT&T are both launching their 5G networks finally um, in December. It looks like uh, T-Mobile has actually got a firm date of December 6th. AT&T will be launching sometime in December. Now, both of these networks look like they will be running the sub-6 type of 5G. The sub-6 type of 5G is not quite as quick as the faster, what they call ultra-wideband, the millimeter wave style of 5G. That's really the one that everybody's talking about. It's going to deliver all the fun, futuristic stuff. So that's the one I'm betting on, although it doesn't go as far. So what we're seeing right now is a few carriers come out with the sub-6 variant, which is using the same frequencies we're used to using right now. Uh, so it just it's easier to implement. Uh, it goes a lot further. The sub-6 category can be placed right onto existing antennas, so it gives them a much larger footprint that they can call 5G. But unlike the ultra-wideband or millimeter wave style, you won't be getting gigabit download speeds and those sorts of things that you associate with the next generation of mobile networks. You're going to get a lot faster, about 10 times faster than current 4G LTE. But it's still not the future that we're all been promised. So it looks like T-Mobile, AT&T, and Sprint, they're all promising speeds around or max about 450 megabits a second, which is, like again, that's really a lot faster than anything we've had before, but it's just not as fast as Verizon's ultra-wideband one gigabit plus connection. It's, that's like double or more where you can find it. So it's kind of an interesting game going on right now. Right out of the gate, T-Mobile is promising coverage of about 200 million subscribers with the the slower form of 5G, and AT&T is still lagging behind everybody else at around uh, 10 to 20 million people covered on day one, whatever that is. But regardless, I'm happy to see 5G finally moving. Looks like the year of 5G is actually not 2019 as predicted earlier this year, but in fact 2020 which actually leads me to the next story. Looks like in response to uh, the networks actually getting their stuff together, Qualcomm, uh, the maker of the most popular 5G modems, uh, will actually be moving that technology down to the mid-level, mid-price phones via their 6 and 7 series processors. It'll be in a similar configuration to their current uh, the, 850, the Qualcomm 855 Snapdragon uh, in the way that it implements the uh, X50 modem that they use. So, uh, that's, that's pretty neat that they're already doing that. I was actually expecting that for maybe 2021, but they were moving pretty pretty fast on that. Not to be outdone, their flagship series, the 8 series, will actually have better connection, which would imply uh, better power management as well as faster speeds. Uh, they'll be actually be building it into the system on chip or SOC just bundled in together instead of integ integrated instead of having it as a separate chipset that they connect together. So this should be a really interesting development next year just to see what phones actually will be 5G. We should 
I mean, would it go into the six and seven series processor that we, we should have a many, many, many more 5G phones, uh, especially with all the networks finally coming online. So I'll stay on top of those developments. The next piece of news I have for you is really, really interesting to me. I didn't know this was coming. I didn't even know to want one of these, but as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the future. I want one right now. And that is Tesla is releasing what they're calling the Cybertruck. Things has some insane specs on it. Um, as far as speed, it's handling supposed to be amazing. You can go off road with it and do get into those shenanigans. If that's what you're into, but the, it just look, just the look of it. I, I recommend you Google it. it. The look of this truck, the Tesla new Tesla Cybertruck, just revealed, I believe yesterday. It is the most futuristic thing I've ever seen, and I can't believe it. It'll be roadworthy. As it's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. And to, as a companion, they're actually coming out with an ATV. The, that actually can fit in the back and charge in the back. Um, so yeah, all this is 100% electric. That's how they do things. Looks like they're building everything out of some super hard alloy, hard glass. When they actually tested the glass in their release party, it, it broke. So I don't know what that was supposed to demonstrate. I mean, it didn't go through. It was, I guess, some really heavy bearing that they threw at it. But it, it didn't go through it. It bounced off of it, but it did crack the glass. So I guess it still proves that it is much stronger than the average glass on a truck or car. So going off-road and doing a bunch of crazy stuff should be fine. I guess that's, that was what the purpose of that was. But uh, but yeah, really, really cool stuff. Man, I feel like every day that I wake up, the news is just incredible. There's always something new and exciting happening in the world of mobile technology. And it, I, I just see it accelerating into 2020. One of the technologies that actually enables all of this innovation is actually a technology called SIM cards. SIM actually stands for Subscriber Identity Module. It's what holds all the information or the profile that allows your phone to be identified anywhere in the world as soon as it connects to any network and knows what phone it is, uh, what carrier you're subscribed through and whether it can offer you service or not, and if it can, what kind of service it can offer, and basically sends all that information to your carrier, and they bill you and all that business. SIM cards have been around a long time, but mostly got started in its current form around the time of uh, 4G adoption, or fourth generation mobile network adoption around 2010. That's when we started seeing them go in and kind of start delivering all of the features that we now know and love um, all the fast data, encrypted data, hotspot, and all those cool features that we uh, we now just kind of take for granted probably because they've been around so long. There's always been a bit of a flaw in the SIM card technology uh, because it, it is removable and it contains all of your information. Basically, pretty much anything you pop it into, it will activate that device. So that's the biggest thing with those. And with mobile technology going into so many new devices, with the 5G movement and just all the Internet of Things that will be coming online in the next couple of years, we do need a better breed of SIM card technology. And it is available now in some devices. Adoption has been a little bit slow, especially with carriers kind of trying to figure out, I guess, how it works into their business model because it makes it a lot more fluid for the customer. I think it's very pro consumer, the new SIM card technologies, because it basically gives you the control instead of having to go from carrier to carrier, trying to get a SIM card. This, these ones allow you to program pretty much wherever you go. 
just change the profile and software, not actually have to change anything physical, which is fantastic for security. And yeah, you're on your way. Most of the places you find SIM cards now are things like watches, like the smartwatches, like Samsung and Apple smartwatches. Some of those cameras, the, the outdoor ones that um, and indoor ones that uh, connect to the LTE networks, those will have uh, either a physical card or can have a, a eSIM, which uh, is a, just a small unit that goes inside of the device that is non-removable. Um, and they've actually become very popular in North America as a second SIM card. So other places in the world actually do use uh, phones that are capable of inserting two different SIM cards into them for, and it gives you, you know, various abilities to connect to different networks. Like if you're in an area where one network is great with calls and the other one is great for data, you can actually combine the two and use both on the phone or even have two different phone numbers with two different carriers um, and have really two phones in one. So yeah, remember your personal line and your business line and they both call the same phone. It's kind of neat. Not something we really see in North America, but it's starting to change. We actually do have a couple phones, like the uh, any of the Apple iPhones, uh, the the 10s year, which is last year's models, and newer with the 11s, as well as the Pixel 4 and 4XL this year. They also have integrated SIM cards um, and um, embedded SIM cards in them. So the ball is starting to roll with the newer technologies, and I think we'll just see a lot more of it in the future. There are a couple of variants, though. So we do have the eSIM, which is the embedded SIM, as well as iSIM, which is the integrated SIM. Just very subtle differences. Both of them are non-removable types of SIM card technology that do not allow anyone to easily take the card out. It's actually on the motherboard inside of the, the device, which is typically very small. The most common form that we've been seeing is actually the embedded SIM card chips. They are actual chips that are soldered onto the motherboard so that embedded SIM cards work very similarly to the removable SIM cards that we're used to. They're a lot less susceptible to being removed, which is great for physical security reasons, and it probably has better functionality. The other category of SIM card is the iSIM or integrated SIM card. That one is very similar to the embedded, but different in one very subtle way, which is that it is directly integrated into the SOC or the system on chip or the brains of the phone or the brains of the device. It is even harder to get to than the embedded SIM card, which is actually a different chip uh, located somewhere else. But like I said, very minor distinction. They both virtually do the same thing. But with integration always comes some advantages like speed increases, uh, security increases, and things like that. So they're typically more compatible with the processor they're being paired with than just a simple adding a chip to a device. So that's pretty neat. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where these technologies take us. I really think they'll be essential for 5G really going in all the places and going into cars and going into you know, driverless cars and going into drones that are automated and fly everywhere so if anybody were to get their hands on one of those they can simply tamper it and hack the network and do all that kind of crazy stuff so it'll definitely that extra added physical security as well as the you can software update them a lot easier being a lot less hackable because of the security updates that you can push through them by updating the software in them should make it, everything way more secure so that's kind of a, one of those necessary steps to make 5g a reality so yeah, I'm all about it. I can't wait to see what someone comes up with that really is a game changer, but the foundation's right there. So 
we were, yeah, we should be pretty close to that breakthrough. But what do you think? The, what what would you like to put your cellular data or cellular signal into, and what could you do with it? Let me know. Hit me up in the in social media. Um, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and uh, tell your friends and family all about it. Well, that about does it for this episode two. Thank you for listening, my marvelous mobile mavens. Stay safe, have fun, stay mobile. Bye-bye.